This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. No, like people's people's kinks are speaking of kinks. Oh, my God. So I went down a bit of a rabbit hole because I was listening to a podcast that we will not name. And (laughs) they were talking about how Napoleon liked like he had a kink for like smelling women's like armpits, like like, you know, people's smells. That was like his like kink. You know what I mean? And so then I was just like, I wonder what other famous Mm. people's kinks were. And so I was like looking it up. And one, a lot of them were just like, you know, things that I wouldn't want to talk about on the podcast. But there was Mm. one was Lord Byron. You know, like at the time Mm. you would take like a lock of hair from your sweetheart or whatever as a keepsake. Okay. He did that, but with pubic hair. He took like locks of pubic hair and then kept them like cataloged mm. oh. that makes sense and like, oh. i actually just did an insane deep dive because i was going to do funny that you mentioned lord byron because i was going to do mary shelley oh yeah for crazy in love and then i was like well maybe i that's it's very halloweeny and it i'm is. like we're in november now and i'm like oh it was i really wasn't digging it but lord byron is such a big part yes. of that story he so, is yeah he is for sure interessante oh my gosh yeah, and they they were saying also um, about Rasputin and like all of his weird kinky stuff, but the one that was the weirdest was the cutting off of the virgin's yeah. hair. He's like he would he thought that like virgin hair was like a protectant, so he would like have people bring him virgin's hair and then mm. put it in his walls. Oh, <laughs> which seems like a fire hazard. Uh. I don't like. That's a really, it's not good insulation, I don't think. I don't think so. Imagine if you. Rush is cold. Yeah. Like, we're like, let, I want an open floor plan. Let's <laughs> Knock take down out these this walls. wall. <laughs> and then you open the wall and it's full of hair. fucking hair. Oh uh. my God, like dusty ass ancient hair. Oh, oh, I don't know if there's anything that would creep me out more. Mm, toenails. Toenails. Yep. Yeah. 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 After talking about the toenail yep. ring. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Body crumbs. Of, of the body crumbs. Body crumbs. Of, of all, the body, of of all the body, body crumbs. crumbs. That's the one that would probably creep me out the most. I, I do hair for a living and I would just assume that somebody was collecting like their baby's hair, like a little lockets of baby hair. a full hair. wall of it? Okay. Well, I feel I mean, like you are doing something unsavory if you have a full I wall of hair. Also, I would be like, like well, someone was murdered. Had like an internal system of like I, I would I would rationalize this. I'm the person that finds like a hair in my food, and because of my hair status, I'm like, yeah, it's no big deal. Pull I'm it the out same. and dress. You know, yeah, like, yeah. 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 I, I, literally everything in my house is covered in cat hair, so I'm just yeah. like, eh, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Again, of the body crumbs, hair is probably my least worrisome. Yeah. yeah. I, you know what? I feel like I, hair doesn't really bother me, but I feel like en masse. Like, you know, like mm. if it was like buckets of it, mm. I'd be yeah. like, I'm yeah concerned. I would be like, <laughs> did they just do all their kids cuts and then it like leaked it? Like, you know what I mean? Like it's a it's a, a lifetime supply of doing house haircuts. You know Kitching. what might be worse for me than toenail or fingernail clippings is a wall full of teeth. <gasps> 
What if it was teeth? Oh, teeth. Oh, well, then. <laughs> no. I don't there's, consider that a body crumb. There's I will say. no rationalizing no. that. That's murder. Many Murder murders. was the case that you gave me. <laughs> or, like, what if, is... or what if it was just like every time your friend's kids lost their teeth, you were just like, can Mm-mm. I have that? I still don't. <laughs> can I have I those? I still don't like that. Mm-mm. 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 I, I low-key don't like it that I, I think my mom still has all of our teeth teeth no. probably somewhere i don't like that either i literally just got a full body chill yeah i just don't i don't i mean like i, I know like, it's cold in my house but bleh, no bleh. i don't I, I don't like teeth i don't like that no nope, that's you you're right that's the worst that's the worst you know there's a whole like thing of victorian jewelry that's made out of teeth like, like <laughs> people like like people want it and i'm like I, I don't want someone's tooth in my ring or it whatever kinda creeps me out like the people who are like i want my gallbladder or I want that gallstone or that kidney I want stone. My ki- I want to yeah. save that thing that came out of me that fucked me up so hard. Yeah. Is that weird? Yeah, it's very I weird. I think it's weird. I know there's people who are like... Throw it away. You don't need it don't anymore. Need it. I don't want it. No. What do you do with it? And why do you want a reminder of something yeah. that was so like terrible? You know what? This felt like shit. I thought I was going to die. I'm going to put I'm it in a tiny it. vial and keep it in my closet. And wear it around my neck. Oh, so oh. weird. Mm-mm. I'm make a necklace out of that. Ugh. Yeah, guys. Yucky wisdom tooth that I had to get cut out of my face. <gasps> Please, let's oh. never do that. No. Oh. Wow. Throw, throw, <laughs> throw your body crumbs away in the proper receptacle. Mm. That's mm. what we're saying. Yeah. 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 yeah dispose of it properly. <laughs> I really don't know how to know. transition this into Out of this? Well, <laughs> I know what I want to talk about today, and okay. that is Keegan's fucking crazy ass shit that she dealt with this week. Like, I got to be honest with you. I, I was, was really, I got hot. I got, I was legitimately sweating a little bit. Well, okay. Here's the thing. So I've been working background since I quit my job, you know, and if I'm like, oh, I need extra money or whatever, I'll work background. And background's great in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. It's fun in a lot of ways. Um, in a lot of ways, it's also very weird. You can meet some of the best people that I've actually like become friends with. I've seen on like many sets, like over and over. Or you can meet the weirdest people, like just the weirdest people <laughs> on set. Mm-hmm. And usually, especially if you're on like a three day thing, like I was, we worked three 15 hour days. Oof. And like when you're on something like that they'll pair you with someone and then you're with that person the entire time, essentially. Like usually Mm. they might move you, but usually you're like with the same people. And so they paired me with this guy and he was just a little odd. Like he was odd, like kind of the whole time, but then he was like trying to make small talk with me on the first day. And, you know, I'm on a set that is mostly like Latinx people. And so people would come up to me and talk to me in Spanish and I'd be like, you know, I'm so sorry. I don't speak Spanish. And they'd be like, oh, are, you know, are you not Latina? And I'm like, no, I'm not. But I look it so I get, you know, put on these sets a lot. Ethnically ambiguous. Yeah, yeah. 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 And and so like that person walked away and he was like, so what is your ethnicity? And I was like, oh, you know, I'm half black and half white. You know, both of my sides of my family have been in America for so long that that's it. There's no real like right, right. breaking it down any better than that. And he was like, oh, you don't look it. Which, first of all, uh, yes, I fucking hate when people do that as if there is a look right like Like there's a specific look there's a specific look i mean literally look at christina and you both biracial and neither of you look the same no so how in the fuck could you ever and by this guy's standards neither one of us would look no quote unquote half black either because he had a very narrow definition of what that looked like so but like it's halle berry the end 
But you know, like I get Jesus. that. I get that like pretty often, especially on sets like this. So I was just like, yeah, you know, I get that. And he, especially because of the casting was and, very specific. Right. Toward. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so it made sense. But then um, he was just like, half black girls are gorgeous. And I was like, um, okay, like, cool, I guess that like, you think that. Uh, and then he was like, not, not that you're not like, you're pretty too, but like girls who actually look half black are like mm, uh, the most gorgeous. Like, oh my like God. guys, like girls who have like black features, but like light skin, like are so pretty. And I was just like, I want to flip I the table. I don't know what part of this conversation makes me the most offended offended right. yeah it's like because really i could care less about whether or not a person thinks i'm attractive like that sure that's whatever you're a stranger to me i don't really care if you think that i'm the most beautiful person you've ever looked at but also on a daily basis you wouldn't have somebody come up and be like hey you're not the most attractive person i've ever yeah, seen yeah you know yeah, what you're thanks. not the most attractive mixed person i've ever met wow, wow. like and then then it's also just like this weird it's so fetishization <gasps> of is. like of mixed people one and then two it's so offensive it's so colorist also to be like mm. i like black girls who look black but aren't dark skinned is like so, really oh, upsetting God, i was just like everything about this interaction and you don't there's just like nothing you could do and like, you could tell you, he knew he put his foot in his mouth but several feet I think he was putting feet in his mouth that weren't his. Yeah. yeah I, you All know, the feet. And then I was with him for the next two days. So it just kind of had to Ugh. be this thing where you had to like be Ugh. okay with it. But yeah, I don't know. It's also like offended, uh, offensive to Latinas too. I, like It's right. like offensive to everyone. <laughs> yeah. It's First of all. offensive across the board. I, I personally, um, I just hate the question generally what are what you? are you i mean in this I setting i, I who don't cares? i don't love it in this setting the only reason why i was like you know it kind of makes sense because because so many people are coming up and talking to me in spanish and right. also the kind of cool thing about this particular set is because the latinx community is so broad and there's so many like facets of it right that everyone was having the conversation of like oh my family's from nicaragua my family's from colombia my family's from mexico so everyone was kind of having that conversation okay Mm -hmm. so to me that was okay because it was kind of cool for everyone to be able to experience their cultures but that's the exception to the rule right absolutely you you definitely get that question Absol- all the time a- and completely out of context all exactly. the time exactly and especially when i lived in the midwest oh yeah whoa yeah. i have the best story about being fetishized for my quote unquote ethnicity oh okay it's the fucking fun i'm the whitest of white people obviously right mm-hmm. like i mean you i don't think you come up to me like oh what is your ethnicity but that happened to me interesting one time in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I was in a salon, and the salon owner was like, "Oh, what is your like nationality? Like, what is your you know where, where ethnic from, background ba- background?" Right, and I was like, "Oh, I was like mostly French." And he goes, he looked me, I'm not kidding you, T to B, and was like, "I can tell." He's like, "Are you into like?" He said, "Are you into BDSM?" Oh, why? <laughs> what a weird what? leap! Who raised you? Yes. You are at your job. job. My, I was working. I was there representing a company that he had in his salon. Yeah. Let, you, let me just say. Where is the link? Where is the link? Again, there's so much wrong with that conversation. Oh. Because to Christina's point, let me just say, 
in life in general, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't go up to someone and be like, especially if someone is like clearly an ethnic minority, but to anybody, but like if someone's clearly an ethnic minority, do not go up to them and be like, what are you? <laughs> like a, it's a human weird. fucking being. If it comes right. up in a conversation with them, like you guys are talking and like that sort of comes Naturally up, came that, up. Yeah. then that's different. But to I've had people come up to Just me. Just come up. Before even saying hello. Before even, yeah. or, and it's very uncomfortable. There's also, it's along the same lines of like, don't come up and touch my hair if I don't know mm-hmm. you. And like, so I don't know. There is Let's something start. very weird and fetishy about it. And I've yeah. also had people give me that line that I know I've talked to you about, Christina, where they say like, oh, you're different than other black girls or you're mm. pretty Let's for a black that. girl yeah. or like any of that stuff pretty mm-hmm. for a anything pretty yeah. for a anything oh, that's not yes good. i yes. hate that you know what i'm gonna start doing i think when people ask me that question now like what are you i'm gonna be like oh I'm shark yeah. <laughs> baby shark do 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 i just yeah. or just make make something up oh yeah. like oh i'm half lamp you <laughs> know what i mean like just it's a ridiculous question and, and you'll get a ridiculous, ridiculous answer, answer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 so i mean it was a weird interaction and you know I got to know that guy better and I, I think maybe he was just feeling uncomfortable and it was he wasn't terrible for the whole three days. Like it yeah. was okay, but that conversation just threw off my whole day. Like because yeah. I just thought I couldn't stop thinking about it. Yeah. You know, I was like, what a weird yeah. thing to say to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No. Honestly, too, you kind of just want to be like, is this a good learning lesson for you, sir? So I can kind of school you on like and not just like in a let me school you but like also be like that's just not really an appropriate thing to ask somebody yeah you know what i mean it's hard to if, do though like if you're yeah, like in that situation work yeah. you know basically. right it, it's it was hard to do because i mean i thought about being like you know <laughs> saying that you like black features but not black women is kind of a weird thing to say and not an okay thing to say and i thought about saying that but then i was like i'm gonna be with this guy for the next like three days you know and like work and working long days and you know so i'm just like it's i'm just gonna (laughs) sometimes you're exhausted it's also not your job to educate right it's true yeah it's true you don't you you don't have to maybe he'll listen to this episode (laughs) maybe maybe (laughs) well i had um a bit of an epiphany last night on a date and I'd like to chat about it. Your blurry selfie that you sent us was great. Like a dark bar it was selfie. Bit my coffee out. That selfie <laughs> was like, I like it kind of looked like you accidentally took a picture of yourself and then sent it. That's <laughs> pretty much what happened. I kind of was like, did, did this, was this meant to be sent? So I had a great, I had a great date last night. Um, I, I went and met a person, but as I was getting ready, I realized, okay, so I've been dating or on the dating market now for like two years. And I realized when I was going to meet this guy that I was truly like no agenda or expectations. Sure. You know, when I first started dating and and I was talking to you about this this morning where I don't have dating experience. I went straight from high school into um shadow box which it was it's its own thing it's, right. it wasn't real dating and so i thought you had to be clear about what you're looking for 
Do you know what I mean? Sure. So when I was on Tinder, at first it was like, oh, I just want to keep it casual. Oh, like, you know, maybe friends. And, and then as the years went by, now I'm like, oh, I'm looking for something serious. But the epiphany was, long story short-ish, I, f- I feel like I'm just open to meeting people and mm-hmm. letting things be what they're going to be. Because I feel like if you go in with the mindset, like I'm looking for this, you mm-hmm. might miss an opportunity to have a friend or maybe somebody is just supposed to be just a casual fun night or maybe they are like wedding material. But if you go in and pigeonhole, you mm-hmm. might miss those things. So yeah. so yeah, that was my dating epiphany. I had a really good time with somebody good. last night and there you go. It made me... Be more in the present too. Yeah. Instead of focusing so much like what would this guy be like around my friends? What would this guy Uh, be like? Blah, blah, blah. You know, it just let me be in the moment and focus and just have a good time. I think that's a great idea. Honestly, I do. I think that that's a great idea. I think, you know, being cautious is, of course, good and making sure you're like protecting yourself and protecting your heart is good. But outside of that, I kind of think that you should allow all opportunities. Like, just let everything come and and deal with it as it comes. Yeah. yeah I yeah. think that that's a good idea. It feels like living in the moment and it, it put me in a really calm, just really cool headspace where I just, I felt really open and, and happy about meeting well, someone. how many times have I talked to you guys about like going on auditions and like really the less you... I don't want to say the less you care, but the less like freaked out you are going into any room or the less you're putting expectations on yourself or the situation, usually the better you do. You know what I mean? Because I think you're presenting a more authentic version of yourself. Yeah. And that's probably the same for dating. Like if you just go in and you're just like, you know what? This is going to be what it is. I'm just going to be who I am and it's it's going to turn out how it's going to turn out. Right. And that's it. And you, you know? have no expectations or, or agenda on the, the person that you're meeting. you just truly open to or letting on yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I feel like I would put a lot of pressure on me to be like a certain way, especially if you're, if you can picture this person in your life and you're like, okay, well maybe I need to be what they would want so that mm-hmm. they call me again or whatever. And yeah. it's kind of like, yeah, the more you let go of that, the better it'll be. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So I had fun. And awesome. Yeah. Uh, hopefully maybe <clears throat> this helps people out there yeah. i don't know Maybe well, i was stressed I felt out s- slow to coming to that realization because it seems like such a i don't know no brainer but no I but mean. i think you're absolutely right because i think that we stress so much about like you we've said before even here like be very clear about what your expectations are so when you are in that mindset you do go in with your own expectations of mm-hmm. like you didn't make it clear that you were only here for a hookup or you didn't make it clear that you were this person or that person or what the, you know but so, I think you can do both. I think, I think you can exactly. be honest on like your profiles about right, like what, what, you're looking what you're looking for, what your goals are ultimately, and also go into a date knowing like this might not be that. Mm-hmm. And like that's okay too if it's not that. Right. But you, you know, you don't need to change your own expectations. But, but I think that the other th- side of that coin is, is that if you do keep your mind open, maybe you aren't looking for the one. Sometimes you accidentally run into the yes, one. Exactly. Right. And that's exactly how it was for like Chris and mm-hmm. I. I wasn't looking for the one when I met Chris. I was just looking to, like, I wasn't looking for anything. I wasn't looking for a relationship. And I think that that was the time when I finally was just like, you know what? I'm totally okay being alone. And I'm, 
you know, if this turns into something great, if not fucking great too. Exactly. You know, and then that's when it like happened for me because I didn't, like you said, and you're right. Like I did that at like 23, 24, but I had a different scenario coming out versus being kind of in a cult situation where yeah. you were kind of a little bit yeah, closed it, in this capsule of what. Yeah, you know? you, it wasn't real dating, yeah. you know, there it was, you know. So I, I know you're saying and, and I think I think what happens for you a lot is that you you beat yourself up a little bit about mm-hmm. the where you are in in life or yeah. where you are. We all do this. We, you know, where you are in this process, where you are in that process, where you are and, and, and attach it to an age that you should have been there. And, oh, and yeah. but everybody's life experience puts does them that. in a different place right. at a different time. You literally came out of a non-dating experience that was very insular and very different than anybody else's experiences right. into a marriage that was very, in, you know, one thing. And then yeah. and coming out on the other side of that, looking at this fresh new world of like dating <laughs> With with an, a a and a mindset or an eyes view of it from somebody who's in their twenties, and yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. It's yeah. just where you are in the process, you know. I think also maybe letting go of this idea that we have all of this control. Yeah, and I know that the three of us, in our own ways, in very different ways, mm-hmm. all. I don't want to say we're control freaks, but like all three of us, I think have a little bit of like where we want control. And like, I feel like the more you let go of the idea that we are in control, (laughs) the better it's going to be because it's, we're not really in control. And, and so it's kind of like, do what you can do. Focus on the things that are important to you. Make sure you're safe and cautious and you're mm-hmm. protecting your heart in the ways that you can. Mm-hmm. But you are not in control of every given situation. And like life is going to happen mm-hmm. to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the times and like things are going to happen that you can't predict. And try and just roll with the punches and enjoy what you can. Yeah. And like be in the moment. That is so fucking hard for me. Mm. And we have a friend who teaches mindfulness and, you know, I'll talk to her about it. And, I never realized how much of my life I do not live in the present. I have a very hard time not thinking about other things. Anxiety is living in the future and depression is living in the past. Yes. 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 That's very true. Wow. What a profound. Yeah. (laughs) And I I spend a lot of time in the future. Me too. Yeah. 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 And so it is, I'll have to be very conscious of like, being in this sounds so like woo woo and new agey but like being in my body mm-hmm. aware mm. of what's happening around me i have to actually like focus on that that's you know really what i felt last night i just Good. i really felt super in the present in the moment and um we're able to just enjoy yourself and yeah that's so fresh that's great. and nice yeah, yeah. what a good feeling yeah yeah wow we got started Ooh. with kinks Got real heavy. Got, got right real heavy real fast. We got, we got real. Yeah. Right into the woo-woo. So uh, what are we going to FMK this week? Mm. Do we want to finally do our Dateline Daddy? Oh, yes. Okay. Absolutely. So, Keith Morrison. Lester Holt. And then what is his name? I'm looking it up. <laughs> oh, I know this guy too. Josh Minkowitz. Oh, that's the guy I was thinking of. Josh Minkowitz is who was, I was thinking of. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine yeah. to do him yep. too. Yeah, that one. Okay. That's the guy I was thinking of, Josh Mankiewicz. Do we want to do him? Ooh. Yeah, let's. Okay. All, All right. right, so we're doing Lester Holt, yep. Keith Morrison, mm-hmm. and Josh Mankiewicz. Okay. okay. Dateline hosts. And there have been a million of them, so if you guys have a favorite that we haven't mentioned, maybe we can do we'll a round do- two down exactly. the line. Yeah. There you go. Hmm. 
Well, God, this is tough. Oh, you know what? It is to actually. Oh God, I love Josh not... Mankiewicz's voice. I'm not gonna play. No, it's... they all have great voices. Actually, yeah, I mean Lester Holt's voice is really yeah. nice it's as like well. Butter. Yeah, it is yeah. butter. Mm. I here's the problem I'm gonna have Keith Morrison. As much as I love him telling me about true crime, I don't know that I would enjoy his voice in bed. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know if I'd enjoy his voice day in and day out yeah. asking me about what, what I your want day? for breakfast. Or... You, you know why? Actually, I, I think I have no pro- I would have no problem with his voice except for that I feel like whenever I was a little kid, my grandparents basically kept Dateline on mm all the time mm. and if we traveled and we were in a hotel it was on mm-hmm. so i feel like keith morrison has been reading me murder stories since i was like five and so and so for me complicated like your grandpa it's, it's real complicated and also if he was like asking me what i wanted for breakfast i would be a little scared like i would be <laughs> a little scared all the time because yeah. i associate his voice with murder. like murder exactly but it is also a very soothing voice so I don't know. I don't know. This is actually much you harder than is. I thought it would be. It's, it's, he's got this cheesy thing, right? Like he kind of has that like boomer thing quality about him. So I would not be able to not think about my grandpa. Mm-hmm. Like oh, the, the oh, kind of like, uh, yeah. So it all kind of is very G-paw for me. Lester Holt, I think, would be yeah the one who would be most fuckable. <laughs> Yeah. in this group yes. yeah. right like um yeah and then huh. josh mankowitz i don't i i feel very ambivalent about sexually I his voice I, I feel ambivalent about him in a sexual way like i'm just kind of like eh. yeah but yeah. i feel like he i don't know why i get a very husband energy yeah off of him totally he definitely uh owns a grill and oh for yes sure. he has a kiss the cook apron yes. yeah yeah absolutely mm-hmm. yeah yeah He's probably Italian, so it's like "kiss me, I'm Italian" or something oh, on it. Well, Mankowitz. Mankowitz. Oh, maybe what? not. That might be Polish. Maybe? <laughs> maybe I don't know. <laughs> oh, lots of sausage in that relationship. Oh yeah, there is. Heyo, <laughs> heyo. <laughs> yeah, I I totally get what you're saying, and I I think I think for me, I love Keith Morrison. I think mm. the only way I could fuck Keith Morrison is if it is Bill Hader doing an impression of <gasps> oh. Keith Morrison. <laughs> Hey, that's hot. That's hot. I like that. Yeah. If Keith he woke nice. you up in the morning and asked you what you wanted for breakfast in Keith yes. Morrison's voice, that's a, a nice, a nice white that. wig. Yes. But a nice Keith white Morrison wig. doing Keith Morrison. Nope. Not hot. Nope. Not at all. I don't. But yeah. I don't feel like I could kill Keith Morrison. No, he is a very Christina's grandpa. Rules. She refuses to let us friend. He's such a great. I, I can't like fuck Mary. Grandparent. <laughs> <laughs> No? Oh. No. Um, okay, so I'm going to I'm going to fuck Lester Holt. I'm going to marry um Mankowitz. Mankowitz, Josh Mankowitz. I like the name Josh too. A lot. Yeah. So I think Joshua. Joshua. And then I'm going to have to kill Keith. I am the same as you. You know, I yeah. think I am also. And yeah. I did not expect I didn't either. I didn't either. I, I thought we were all marry Keith Morrison. Keith. I do love, love him. A glint in Lester Holt's eye that mm. makes me think he does he's he's got he's a, a basement. dirty dateline daddy he yeah is. yeah he's got a basement with a swing in it mm. I can he's, see that he's yeah. fun in bed yeah, yeah. I, I bet you yeah he's got I a bet you. good a big dick energy sexual too. energy about him he does mm-hmm. never thought of it like that but it's true yeah of all the dateline daddies his energy is the most sexual yeah, yeah. he wears the tightest pants for mm. sure <laughs> 
Um, Josh for sure wears white socks with his New Balance shoes. Yes. Oh, oh, but or he will grill he, you yeah. a real goddamn good burger. When he goes down to the end of the driveway to get the mail, he's wearing socks down and sandals. <laughs> Maybe oh. also wearing socks and sandals for that too. Oh my god, I just shuddered. But you know what? He's gonna buy you a real nice house with a real nice yard. Yeah. Maybe a tire swing. He's got a dog yeah. for you already. Yeah, oh, yes. definitely Labradoodle. He's, he's got a dog with a real dog name like Fido or, or Rover. Or buddy, yeah, Rover. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Well, brilliant. Oh, uh, this is my worst date. Oh, yeah. I'm Cassie. I'm Keegan. I'm Christina. And we actually have a new patron. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, uh, oh, also speaking of new patrons, um, it's not Nas. She did reach out. Oh, she yes. did. Oh, my it's, God. And we've done it twice on this show. And yes, we've said it wrong she, both times. Exactly. We did have that conversation. She was a patron before and came back uh, stronger and welcome better. Welcome back. Yeah, welcome back. And it's nays, which nays. I did not think. We fucked up on every angle. There's no E at the end of it. It's very yeah. confusing. Spell it how you... <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. But we are so happy to have you back. And we are also really happy to welcome Yulin Liu to our Patreon family. Yay! Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. And yeah, I guess uh, if you guys are cool, let's take five and we'll come back with stories. Yeah. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yeah, it's got a high res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. And we're back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Oh God, <laughs> what is that, that from? Blast from the past. You don't remember like that? Saturday cartoons? Yeah, Saturday, Saturday morning. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm going to go first since I have the crazy in love. Um, this one is titled, My Worst Date That I Didn't Think Was a Date? Question mark. Oh. <laughs> hey ladies, absolutely love the podcast and got one of my best friends hooked on you guys. And she says, shout out Haley. So hey, <laughs> Haley. Hey, hey. Um, anyway, I've been holding on to this high school story for a while and have finally stopped procrastinating and decided to send it in. Thank you. So we know how much we love the high school story. Yes, do. I love it. <laughs> Back in high school, I was extremely addicted to Twitter, especially tweeting about sports like baseball ball and football through my thousands of tweets i interacted with a lot of other sports fans that i didn't know and ended up being uh ended up befriending some fellow fans on twitter there was one guy i ended up talking to a lot and became really good friends with uh although he lives states away from me and the sports teams we rooted for were different let's call him luke we were the same age. He had similar senses of humor, similar opinions on our sports, and he looked kind of cute in his profile picture. The exact details of how we ended up in my how, how he ended up in my DMs are blurry since it's so long ago, but at some point we had moved our conversations from tweets to direct messages. It quickly became clear that he was into me and he would say a lot of flirty things like Quote, all I want is a cute girl like you to watch sports with. Why are you so far away? And things of that nature. I wasn't particularly into him, but what teenage girl doesn't love the attention? And plus, he lived so far away 
that he that what harm could there be in entertaining these conversations? I have been there. Yes, yes. we With all have. The advent yeah. of the internet. Oh my god, I was yeah. on AIM talking to yes. people from all over who I, I would never in real life have like totally. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but absolutely. the attention it feels good, especially when you're a teenager. Of course, yeah. especially when you have something in common like that, where you can kind of like razz each other, especially since you're not specifically into the same. You know. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, I'm never going to meet this person. It doesn't Ex- matter. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So our friendship went on for a couple of months like this before he let me know that he would be in the area soon to visit his grandparents and his grandfather would be taking him to a baseball game. I was interested in getting to meet him in person and three of my friends agreed to get tickets to go attend the game with me so that we could finally meet. The day of, Luke and I exchanged seating information so we could find each other. I was sitting in my seats with my friends before the game, probably eating snacks and taking selfies. All of a sudden, I hear someone say my name behind me. I turn around and there's Luke, who had just snuck up and sat in the seats behind me in a really awkward and creepy manner. I shook off the awkward start and got up to give him a hug and introduce myself. The first thing I noticed about him was that he was very short. Now, this is making me think of that video. I know. Oh, my God. Oh God. And your body, your, your shoulders are like to your ears like, right now. You're oh so uncomfortable. God. It's making me think of that. that my, my mom oh. says I can still grow. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so bad. Now, I'm not one to judge someone's height, typically considering I'm I'm hardly over five feet myself, but it was where if I was wearing heels, I would have been taller than Luke. This is high school. I mean, yeah, he he's still grow. Honestly, he probably isn't done growing. Yeah, right. but especially uh, if they're like freshmen, he's basically still a middle schooler. Does right. everyone remember middle school? Oh. Whenever middle school dances, where all the girls were taller. taller. Yes. I mean, of course, yes. Christine is like I'm having flashbacks yeah. right now. Like currently, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that is well short enough to be a turnoff for me. We made some awkward small talk, and he took a seat again in the empty row behind us i don't remember many specifics all i know is the conversation was very awkward he was very quiet and he lingered in the seat behind us for a couple innings not saying much before saying he was going to go watch the game with his grandfather my friends and i had a good time watching the baseball game on our own and i'm sure we made some comments about how awkward my encounter with luke was once the game was over luke came down to our seats again to say his goodbyes totally normal but there was this is where things get interesting oh no i said my goodbyes to luke and went in for a hug as i was pulling away from the hug his hands grabbed my waist and he starts to leaning in for a kiss oh i panicked and considering his face was right there at the same level as mine i didn't have much time to react so i quickly did a spin move turning around and dropping to the ground pretending to pick up my jacket and trash oh i literally swerved away from this guy's oh. kiss oh my friends stood there with their jaws on the floor besides <laughs> My friend Haley, who was all the way at the end, who didn't see what happened and kept saying, what? What happened? <laughs> Making things all the more awkward. Oh, no. I finally get back up to face Luke again after completely rejecting him to see and, him oh, walking back oh. to his grandfather, who was standing there the whole oh. time and witnessed the oh, whole thing. Oh, my God. Thing. This entire thing. Because also, and look, uh, like high school girls, it's not that they were trying to mm-hmm. be mean but i feel like high school people but high school girls specifically are just oblivious mm. so they're doing that thing where they're like oh my god oh my god oh my god they're making it really obvious yeah. that yeah. something was really awkward and yes. so this poor guy <gasps> is like Fuck. is stuck in this sea of like high school girls after having just been rejected and they're Whoa. all fucking like 
pointing it out. Yeah. Oh, I hate oh. it. Oh, and in front of your grandpa. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Levels of terrible. I was completely mortified and felt horrible, but I didn't think I did not think I in any way gave him signals to think that this was a date or that he should go in for the kiss. You would think the story ends here, but I couldn't even get to the car ride home without more awkwardness following me. After the game, Luke had DM'd each of my three friends on Twitter separately asking them what he did wrong and what he should do and basically just looking for their support and getting him over this utter rejection. At this point, he had crossed the line from being awkward and cringy to straight up clingy and creepy. I think my friends all gave him the same variation of just give her some space and I ended up sending him some corny apology and planned on not speaking to him anymore. He was much harder to escape than that, though. He, um, as he went to be on to befriend kids I went to high school with, using the same mutual interests of sports. He even joined a fantasy football league with them and started a podcast with some of them. Oh my god! Oh, I, I can't help it. I, my heart hurts for for Luke. I have to say because. I mean, we talk about girls all the time having done like, I mean, because we all have that perspective of like, we all did shit that we look back on and we're like, oh, we got too attached and we were weird. And like, that's, that's all this is, is like, he misread the situation. He got too attached. He didn't read the room. Oh, oh. Over this time, he would still periodically DM me about things about missing me or how I looked good in a picture. I posted, um, a picture I posted or something of that sort, I would keep my answers short or leave him on read. After I posted a picture with a boy I went to prom with, Luke sent me a message saying he hopes he treats me right and cares about me like I deserve. And I never got a DM from him again. Finally, the other kids I went to high school with realized he was a weirdo and stopped interacting with him as well. Oh, Luke. My friends still to this day roast me over the awkwardness of that baseball game. So I'm hoping to finally put it into good use and give some of my favorite podcasters a laugh. Yes. Love you, ladies. Thanks for reading. Oh, my God. <laughs> you are literally hiding I'm in like your hoodie. buried in my jacket I right know. now because oh. I've been a Luke. Oh, I oh, mean, I think I have, too. I absolutely have, too, where it's just like it's un, it's high school. Mm. It's unrequited love. Exactly. Right? It's and it's like V serious. It's V serious. And it's so oh, sad. God. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, it's so awkward. But you know, what? I've also been in her position, too, though. Yes. Like when yeah. you have somebody like that you just aren't into and like Mm. you you feel bad for them but it's also like I don't I'm not into you yeah and especially like high school age or or like younger there's you know you're like me where I'm like very non-confrontational and you're Mm -hmm. like this will be easier if I'm just like one more slowly back away until they go away and sometimes they they do do not not go away yeah look Anthony's still here oh god Jesus right like It's so much easier just you know, to be direct. Now you're now you're married, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're just like eventually he'll get the hint. And uh... <laughs> we're kidding. Um, okay, so uh, this subject line is one hour too long. Hi guys, love your podcast. You guys make me laugh constantly, even when I'm in public and people look at me weirdly. <laughs> love it, amazing. <laughs> so I was talking to my sister about the crazy stories on your podcast and how it's crazy these things happen. And then she had a date the next day, and I was mortified at what happened. So I wanted her to write to you. Here it is. Sorry if it's a little long. 
I was swiping on Hinge and came across this super good-looking guy. He was tall, 6'4", dirty blonde hair, blue eyes, and built. Wow. Uh, We matched. We exchanged conversation back and forth. And then we decided to FaceTime each other. I FaceTimed him two times, and both were super good, and he seemed super nice. The day, yeah, you're shaking your head. Yeah, I know. Red flag. I'm all good start, but <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I'm it's it's like, always it always feels like a good start, but if you're writing to us, it means it took it's a turn. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. Um, the day we chose to hang out comes, and he and before he gets to my house, I clean up a bit because my house had some dishes to do and clothes to pick up. Same. That's my constant life. Mm -hmm. My house is not dirty at all. I routinely clean. And before he came over, I texted him, by the way, don't mind the messy room. It wasn't messy. Also, he kept texting me about how hungry he was. So I decided, why not? I'll just go and get some pizzas for us. Very considerate. Yeah. V considerate. He gets to the house and I go to let him in. As he steps inside, his first comment is, oh, your house is cluttered. excuse me as soon as i heard that i was like oh dear jesus this is not going to go well no (laughs) we proceed to go even if that was the case Mm. you don't say that no like you don't say that to somebody that's really fucked up um we proceed to go to the kitchen where the food is and he looks over to the alcohol area and he says oh wow you're an alcoholic what the fuck get the fuck out of my house dude yeah, Bye. yeah, yeah. You're, you've nagged me twice, and you've been in my house for two minutes. I I've had something like that happen. Um, I'm you know a rebuilding. This is this is a rebuilding season. Yes. Um, <laughs> so you know it's not like I, I'm living the pure one imports life or <laughs> whatever <laughs> with my uh, decor, yeah. so to speak. And um, yeah, I've had people be like, oh, it looks like someone said, oh, it looks like college. Oh, 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 I'm so deeply offended for you. Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, get the fuck out I of my house that. right now. You know yeah. what? You don't have to be here. Yeah, yeah. you don't have to be here. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. Can and just, also your house does not look like college. No, no. I, That's fucked up. Yeah. Uh wow. Um Ugh. and and also yeah the alcoholic comment. It's like pardon me for keeping a well stocked bar. By the way, alcoholics don't have like full liquor bottles That's in right. their house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't. Just because they would have drank it all. Yeah. If, if you've yeah. looked under my kitchen sink and found a bottle, then then, be, then, <laughs> yeah. then say something. If you find one hidden behind the towels yeah. in my yeah. in my closet, then maybe exactly. Um. <laughs> I laugh, then realize he didn't say it as a joke. Oh, no. He sits down on my couch, starts to eat. I wanted to make conversation because he wasn't saying anything. I say, what do you want to do? He looks over and says, I'm eating in a bitchy tone. I'm sorry. I just gave you fucking pizza. This person would be kicked out of my house. Yeah, you can get the fuck out. I was Mm -hmm. mortified by the comment, so I stopped talking. He finishes eating, and I ask if he wants to go watch a movie, and he says, no, I'm not watching a movie. Let's go get some ice cream or something. So we go to an ice cream place five minutes down the street from my house. Since he drove one and a half hours to get to my area, I decide to drive to ice cream. As we go to get into the car, I walk in front of him and he says, where are you going? A funeral? I was in all black as I usually do. I laugh it off and continue. He pays probably the only positive of this date. In the car, I put on my playlist and a Blink-182 song comes on and he goes, what are we in the 90s? Jesus, Jesus, dude. How many insults? How many? Good Lord. Has this worked for him in the past? There's really nothing worse than thinking, being like excited for a date. Like, yeah. And it's Neg City. And, and it's in your home. 
Oof. It's in your home. And in your car. And things that and are like fundamentally part of you. Like yes. your playlist. Yeah. Right? He's insulting your music, your home, your like your how you dress. How you dress. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's... Everything like about who you are. Oh, he God. then proceeds to change the music and presets on her radio. Get the oh, fuck. <laughs> Don't fucking touch Out. my presets. They're where I want them to be. Wow. What the fuck is wrong? I, you don't need to preset anything in this car that you will never be in again. Exactly. Amen. Exactly. You know what? Why don't you hop out? I'll find parking and never see you again. Bye. Right. Yeah. I'll drop you off. You go ahead and order some ice cream. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to do a lap. Go find. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Doors locked. Pre- prepare. Prepare yourselves. Oh, uh, God. While, while in the car, he says... You know, I'm 32 and I can help you. I'll give you life advice that will help you since no guys stay in your life. <sighs> wow. I, I wow. I I'm brushed it flip off this table. Like I know, I knew. I I told you guys before we started. I was like, my story he, has real flip this table energy. He does realize that he is single as well right so why don't any girls stay in your life sir exactly maybe because you cannot stop fucking insulting them for one fucking second wow it's not hot it's not hot again again anybody who remembers the pickup artist i feel like we need to put that guy mystery on trial because i think that this is what happened People watched that show and they were like, oh, this is that's how, how I get women just by treating them like fucking garbage. <laughs> okay. So she says, I brushed it off like every other thing he insulted me on. As we were driving home, I glanced over at him while he was speaking as one does when you engage while driving. And he says, you know, you really should stop doing that. You'll freak someone out like that. Again, ignore yet another rude ass comment. I live in a suburban town and there are a lot of people near my house that own horses. We pass one of them on the way back from ice cream and he starts to say something. Oh, so you live in a nice town. Mommy and daddy must have given you everything just like this nice new Jeep. Jesus. God. Right. Fuck. Hmm, no, I'm a mechanical engineer and make my own money, but I don't say anything and I just sigh and grip my steering wheel with anger. We get to my house finally, longest five minute drive. He goes to drop me off, but then proceeds to park. I say, why are you parking? He goes, so we can go inside and watch a movie. (laughs) Astonished at the fact that he thought this was going well, I say, no, no movie. I'm going inside alone and I think this is it. Bye. Good. Yes, ma'am. Good. The next day, I get a text message saying, I had a great time yesterday. When are you free to hang out next? Oh, my God. How does someone have no shame? Sorry if this was everywhere. Feel free to edit if you like. Oh, my God. Dude. Jesus. The audacity. And also just the utter cluelessness the utter cluelessness and i wonder if i sometimes i do wonder this like people who are really good looking like she said he was very good looking and Mm. and tall and all of that stuff i wonder if people who are very good looking in the past have treated people like shit and it worked and it worked and so they have no like they're just oblivious to the fact that like most normal human beings don't fucking like this like like it's not this is off yeah yeah if he's that oblivious in a conversation he's gonna be that oblivious with your body Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. amen that is a fucking fact people that can't read a room can't read your clit so amen (laughs) 
get out get out run Run. oh my god no Mm. uh, yeah i mean honestly if we had taken a shot every time he insulted her we'd be on the fucking floor right now yeah i'd be dead gross okay so mine i found from reddit and i titled it bob's burgers great i like that you titled it (laughs) i gave it a title and um here we go So it wasn't a date per se. It was more of a hookup type scenario, but it was nonetheless unforgettable. So I'm working at a bar uh, somewhere in Australia. We uh, this bar does small 30 ish person parties, one of which was a girl's 21st birthday. I was around 22 or 23 at the time. I'm pretty much the only person working the bar but there are waitresses on hand to walk around with appetizers, but sometimes I get moments where everyone has a drink and the bar is pretty quiet. I get talking to a really attractive girl who is at the party, but one of the only sober people there as she has the car and lives like 45 minutes away. We hit it off immediately. She's super flirty, giving me the look as if she wants to strip me naked there and then, and the chat gets somewhat sexual. She asks when I get off work and says I should come back and stay overnight at her house, saying she'd be eager for a spoon and she waits an hour in her car for me to oh, finish I cleaning think, up mm, and shut the place down. That's too fast food. That's a rig- yeah. that's too, a red flag. Too, too, too fast. Yeah, no. Yeah. So while we were talking, she mentioned she loves the show Bob's Burgers. And kept referencing it, saying, I should come stay at her place tonight and wink. I can't wink. Uh, for those of you who are upset, try to see. Wink. With both eyes. With both eyes. Watch Bob's Burgers wink. Uh, she literally winked, insinuating that this was innuendo for Netflix and Chills type situation. You know, if someone she said wink, by the way. I uh, know. Wink. Wink. <laughs> so. Anyway, here's me thinking this is leading to the obvious outcome. We drive 45 minutes to her place, chatting and flirting the whole way. She's even touching my leg while she's driving, running her hand up and down my thigh. We pull up into this massive house in the middle of nowhere, go through the main house to a sort of... All right, hold on. This man is being led with his dick something fucking hard because look, literally the behavior already. Yes, literally. (laughs) Because the behavior already is like, would be weird. And if it was, and also switch the genders. Switch to the genders. If if a man waited for you for an hour for your shift in the parking lot. You want to watch Bob's Bob's Burgers (laughs) wink with both eyes and then drive 45 fucking minutes to my secluded house. Absolutely fucking not no no <laughs> this this will get if if you think of it in reverse gender too this will get even even oh weirder yikes yikes so her wing of the house is decorated really quirky all sorts of things ranging from different size dream catchers to tiki masks bohemian rugs well, well, her wing, wing of the, the house? house yes wing anyway wing. exactly wing <laughs> I notice some MMA gloves on the floor and ask about it. She tells me she competes in amateur kickboxing. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. I'm a big fight fan. She puts on I'm the so glo- nervous. She puts on the gloves. Nervous. My stomach actually hurts a little bit from being nervous. <laughs> and throws another pair at me. Tells me, put them on. Oh. 
oh oh no <laughs> i'm thinking this is just another flirty little thing and we stand up square off she's throwing light jabs and feints and so am i now i have relatively no martial arts training besides basic boxing techniques <laughs> What I didn't expect to happen next was that she roundhouse kicked me square in the face. She's like, let me show you my skills. Like, okay, Ronda Rousey, settle the fuck down. Oh, shit. Anyway, I'm thinking, huh, that's a, that's a bit strange. I'm going to try to brush it off as enthusiasm. That's a bit strange. Like, this is a man who wants to get laid so, so bad. badly that he's like, all of this, he's just brushing off these red flags. Like, she's just dumped an entire box of red flags on top of his head. Yeah, she and he's like, you in the, in the face, face with a red flag. Oh, my God. Were her socks red. <laughs> We continue lightly jabbing when I see another kick coming, this time aimed at my ribs. I manage, quite gracefully, if I might say so, to catch her right leg in my left arm and twist while hooking my right leg behind her other leg for a takedown. It wasn't forceful or anything, but it ended up with me lying on top of her, really close to her face, pretty much in missionary position. We're both smiling and looking into each other's eyes. So I do what the protagonist does in all the movies after pulling off something smooth. I go in for the kiss. She pulls away from me and acts surprised and said, I'm not looking to do anything. You just drove me 45 minutes to get here. (laughs) What? I ask her what she means, and she said, look, I just wanted to sit and watch Bob's Burgers, I told you. Oh, you winked. You winked. Again, I'm visibly confused. She basically says she doesn't want to hook up or do anything. So at this point, I'm a bit pissed off at being misled so much. And after a few awkward minutes of near silence, she offers to take me back home, which I accept as I am no way going to go sleep comfortably in this situation than face her in the morning. What commenced thereafter was the most awkward, silent, 45-minute car journey from the ass end of nowhere to the city where my hostel was. When we pulled up, she started trying to guilt me, telling me I was the asshole for assuming that sex was on, on the cards. She then asked me to empty my pockets to prove I hadn't stolen anything oh, from are her. Are you kidding okay. me? And with that, we left it on a very insincere handshake. Uh, oh, a handshake. Well, uh, now, we just talked about reading the room. Yeah. Now, I feel with what he describes is if this chick was flirting with him yeah. at the bar all night and then like come over to my place, you know, I'm, I want a spoon. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. I want to watch well, Bob's uh, Burgers. But you can't be, I'm, I'm very torn because that's, I'm there's the other too. part of me that's like, well, okay. But to get pissed off that you, it doesn't you, turn You can't into be pissed thing? off that it doesn't turn into sex. However, if you were having sexual conversations. Yes. Like yeah. that, that's the part of it that gets yeah. me because the rest of it, it's, it is, strange to yeah. invite a stranger to your house to your house and to watch tv shit. 
like fight with yeah, him. Because I mean, I don't forty five minutes for it too. I don't need more friends to watch TV with. Right. So to me, it, I mean, I'm totally with you. I'm like you. You can't really be mad that you expected sex and didn't get it. Like right. boohoo. Like you know yeah. whatever about that. But the rest it of is also boring. very strange to invite someone you don't know that you just met over to your house to watch TV. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like that's weird. Isn't I mean, it? Bob's Burgers is a good show, I guess, but I wouldn't drive 45 minutes. I wouldn't watch drive it. 45 minutes to watch it. I wouldn't yeah. drive 45 minutes to watch anything, to be honest with you. But uh, also, she did give him a fucking pile of red flags that he ignored. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> so. <laughs> wow. So there you go. Oh, I'm ready for some crazy. Me too. Love. What's up? Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So my notes are a little all over the place. <laughs> so I'm going to try to get through this as smoothly as possible and as quickly as possible because there's a lot to share. Can I just oh, say that so. I always get excited right before like I'm like, ooh, which story What's it gonna be? is What's it? Gonna be? Yeah. Okay. Story time. Well, I'll give you a hint. It is... Um, it is a history lesson. Yes. Which I love because I'm that nerd. <laughs> no, I we're love all that. And we're all like, yes. And I had, it was literally an entire day of just fucking researching on researching on researching mm. because mm. I will say that there is a very, um, what I have found is that there are two very strong opinions on how and I don't want to say what happened, but how this interaction went like, down story, how the okay. story unfolds. Okay. Okay. So this is the story of F. Scott, Fitz, blah, 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 F. Scott Fitzgerald and Zelda Fitzgerald. Aww, Excellent. Yay. So most of my information came from Wikipedia of mm-hmm. F. Scott and as well of, of Zelda, mostly pulled from um, the Nancy Milford biography that she did on Zelda. So there's a lot of information from there. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a very two-sided telling of this story. There's the very basic F. Scott Fitzgerald, this is what happened. And then there's the Zelda side that a lot of people dispute. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say that I picked side Zelda, um, but I do think that it is a lesson in history in the way that we perceive um, relationships Mm -hmm. in the way that we perceive um, from the outside, the way that people's interactions are with each other. There's a lot to learn from the story. Yeah. I'll say going in and maybe my mind will be changed by the end of the story. And so I'll say going in and then I'll say what I think at the end. But Mm -hmm. from what I know of this story, I do think I'm team team Zelda. Yeah. I yeah I I'm pretty sure she was the genius writer. She was. Agree. I agree, yeah. and I will say that that most of me plays Team Zelda. What I will say though is, from the research that I've done on both sides, I agree that there are both sides, two sides to every story. I, think I they believe were like that the OG Sid and Nancy. I agree. Oh, for I, sure. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you. Mm-hmm. I think that there is, it's tortured artists through and through um it's a very interesting story um a lot of my information like i said was from wikipedia i also um read a little bit on a um uh article called hidden artwork of zelda by rachel kester and another uh article uh, called behind the myths of scott and zelda or scott and zelda epic scott and zelda's epic romance i cannot words today Mm -hmm. by their actual granddaughter eleanor lanahan so uh, so let's tell you a little bit about F. Scott Fitzgerald. He was named Francis Scott Key Fitzgerald. He was named after one of his um, relatives. You may have heard of Francis Scott Key, who wrote 
Star Spangled, Spangled Banner. Banner. Wow. <laughs> Yikes. I am not words and good today, guys. Um, he was born on the 24th of September in uh, 1896 in St. Paul, Minnesota. He was born to uh, Edward and Molly of both of Irish Catholic descent. Um, his mother was an actual Irish immigrant. Uh, Molly's family had made success for themselves through grocery chains and became the primary source of income while Edward was a failed failed as a salesman. So he that's just kind of what he grew up in. He his mom came from money. His father had, you know, tried to be the breadwinner and really kind of failed as fairly epically in in his pursuits. Mm. Molly relied a lot on their family money to send Scott to the best schools. Um, Scott was one of, I think, only three children that actually survived. So he was quite taken care of as far as they were concerned. But Scott still felt his lack of wealth strongly amongst his fellow classmates because where he was going to school, he's surrounded by these people who are uber wealthy and he's barely making enough money just to go to these schools, mm-hmm. you know, and just, just get by. So to, you know, really fit in felt a little difficult for him, but he found the best way to fit in was through his writing. He found that he could, he couldn't necessarily control his wealth or his lack thereof, but he was able to, um, you know, like through his words, he could help control his situation in, in, in stories. Like he was able to inspire, you know, reactions out of people. He was able to write stories and plays. And so when he was starting to write plays, he could literally write the narrative in which his world evolved around him. And because he's writing plays, these people wanted to be involved and he's literally able to write what these people are saying, Mm -hmm. you know? So it gives him a little bit of sense of power and a very powerless point of his life. Um, And, you know, he's surrounding himself by the people of his choice and he's able to do that with writing. He, um, Scott, upon graduation, was accepted to Princeton, in which he had written um, a kind of a future script for himself in his mind, like of how this would play out. He He's like, I'm going to go to Princeton. And in his mind, he's already scripted his life. Of course. Talk about living in the future. Again, yes. something that I... I do. Mm. Yeah. It has anxiety. If I'm going into a situation, I'm like, yeah. this is how it's going to happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's already yeah. like, I'm going to play football. I'm going to, I am going to go into this place. I'm going to be famous. I'm well, going to be a superstar. Yeah. And as somebody who like moved, as somebody who moved a lot growing up, I moved a lot growing up. And part of the allure of moving so much was being able to be like, Write a new narrative. I can completely become a different person if I want to. Right. Like none of these people know me. So I can decide who do I want to be like going into this situation and like manifest that for myself. It doesn't usually work out like that. No. But <laughs> that's the idea. It's the, there's an appeal to that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a really hard line to, to walk between setting goals for yourself, which is mm-hmm. great. And you should absolutely have dreams and and work to pursue them but there's there's that line between like dreams and and obsessions or 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 things that you like you have to right get that goal or like if something goes wrong it just completely destroys you or even just trying to be a different person yeah like that's what i would do a lot when i moved i would be like okay i was this person here I want to be this person. So I would go in and be like, what does this person act like? As the mm. actor in me, you know, like, what it's does this person like, act like? Like, let's try and act like that. It's kind of like never been kissed. Yeah. Where she's like, I came out of high school as this total nerdy mm-hmm. person. And I'm going to turn it around. This is yeah. my chance to yeah. be the cool kid. And yep. she, 
and everybody's like, no, you are who you are. And it doesn't, yeah, it's exactly it doesn't it. work out <laughs> yeah, ever. So he is like, I am going to try out for football. I am going to gain fame through sports. And he was cut immediately oh, from honey. football team after the first practice. He is, you know, th- he's a meager man. He's only about uh, 5'8", 138 pounds. He wasn't quite cut for the high impact sports. So he joined the Triangle Club, which, you know, does writing, acting, plays, things like that. So he's, again, finding his niche, finding his way in, finding his way to communicate with people and to, you know, build his community around him through writing, which is, you know, also kind of starts to become his dream. He wants to, and this comes up quite a bit, like his dream is to great the great American novel and be this amazing novelist. So um, soon as most college stories go, he had found uh, drinking and partying were more enticing. Sounds college AF. Some <laughs> things never change. <laughs> yeah. On one evening of partying, um, he had gone back to St. Paul and was uh, he met Ginevra King at a dance hall and he was smitten immediately. They had a relationship for nearly two years, which allegedly was uh, and was allegedly told by her father, poor boys do not marry rich girls. And this was kind of like his first introduction of being like, hey, remember you're poor? Mm -hmm. Yeah, just because you hang out with a bunch of rich people, you poor. And be reminded of your place. And so this kind of sat with him like, I don't ever want to be. And, you know, having this idea of his father, you know, kind of a failed businessman, and he never was going to live this life of being poor. And so his constant life was a struggle of, you know, fame, money and riches and sometimes and a lot of the time lack thereof um so this is purportedly the daisy of the story this ginevra so many people say that this is where daisy comes from in the story of the great gatsby Mm -hmm. so ginevra wow never what a name right what a name Ginevra king and she does go on to marry one of her dad's like business associates who's like a wealthy wealthy millionaire so gross you know it's all i mean you see it if you know anything about great gatsby you 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 see a lot of these telltale things right yeah so eventually um with you know declining grades and an academic probation scott drops out of princeton to join the military in 1917 at this time world war one is is you know raging and in june of 1918 he is sent to camp sheridan in Montgomery, Alabama. So he is waiting for his, you know, call to go over and serve in the military. He's, you know, doing his time and he's just waiting for that. Like, hey, we're sending you over to, you know, with the troops. Front lines. Front lines, exactly. So Montgomery, Alabama. Enter Zelda Sayre. Zelda was born June 24th, 1900, the youngest of six children to a prominent Montgomery family. Her father was a justice on the um, Alabama Supreme Court. So they came from a very high-end wealthy stock and background in Alabama. Zelda had gained a reputation as a bit of a wild child and was the it girl of her time in her area. She, there are stories about like, and she, I mean, you've seen pictures of her. She is absolutely gorgeous. One of the most beautiful yeah. women. I mean, honestly, just mm-hmm. absolutely stunning. Well, you named beautiful. her Zelda too. That's a party name if I've ever heard it. Right, right. Um, many of the, of her suitors pined for her and there were stories of the local airmen Um, buzzing her house just to gain her attention there was even a story about a guy who was buzzing her house and actually crashed his plane so i mean like there's there's wild stories i mean people were 
on her and wanted her attention. Can you imagine being that hot? (laughs) Somebody (laughs) crashed their plane? (laughs) No, I cannot. I literally cannot. (laughs) Well, this is so relatable, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Happens to me every day. I get it. You know, just wild. Like, wrecking their cars. Um, Again, men would line up to cut in to dances with her. When she would go to dances, there was even stories like people were like, the the girl, women of Birmingham would come to a dance and if Zelda walked in, they would all turn around and go home because it's just nobody had a chance. I mean, like, that shit's going to give you a fucking complex. Like there's oh, yeah. no one needs that much attention. I feel like like anybody who gets that much like something's gonna go wrong. You can't have that much attention in your life. Well, and she was you know for for all intents and purposes was I don't think somebody who let that quite. I think it went to her head a little I bit. Think it's but impossible I also think, for it not to go to your head. How could it not? Yeah, I can like, right. how could yeah, it not? The baby of the family. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah. There's Spoiled. there's no way everyone's treating you like a special special princess like all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no way. <laughs> she was also a bit of a tomboy and always hang out with the boys. Oh, so she was a cool girl too? Oh, yeah, right, 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 great. Right, great. Cool, cool, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> She's not like the other girls, you guys. <laughs> She's super cool. Um, so on one evening, uh, a night out in the town, she had caught the eye of Second Lieutenant F. Scott Fitzgerald. He had walked into a dance, saw her dancing, and was just... Smitten kitten. Smitten kitten. Um, he would spend every break coming into the city to court her. Before he could uh, be deployed, before he could be deployed, the war had ended and Scott proposed to Zelda. He was in love with her. She said, He's like, Hey, let me ruin your life. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it seems like you got it pretty good here. Do you mind if I just step in and yeah. fuck shit up for you? <laughs> And there it began. <laughs> um, she, though, as well, was pretty smitten with him. So she said yes. But Scott needed to get build a career. He was she was like, I'm you know, I'm not going to marry. You know, she's she's also like, hey, I got it good, too. So yeah. uh, you're not going to step in and I just ruin my life. You. I don't need yeah, you. Actually. I don't know if you notice all these suitors I have. <laughs> Some of them got real money. I got options. Yeah. Hashtag um, replaceable. A hundred. <laughs> and he did not want to be replaceable. He already experienced that with Ginevra. He was like, I'm going to prove myself worthy. And because she had other suitors, I think for even for him, he was like, challenge accepted. Mm-hmm. He's like, here I go. So, you know what? This Everything about this story is a recipe for disaster. Like You can is. see it already because you've got like this person who has like an inadequacy complex. Yes. And he went after like the most difficult person prize essentially mm-hmm. like right. you know like he did with ginevra as yeah, well where it's just like god you're just why why <laughs> yeah he wants the unattainable yeah he wants what you know has never really been attainable for him and he wants status and clearly it. he very clearly wants status writing. yes yeah mm-hmm. you see it in his writing i mean honestly that's you, sad it is it is it's wild and so he heads to New York to gain employment. Um, he starts working for like a, a marketing firm and, and writing short stories and writing things. Um, but he's really unable to satisfactorily, satisfactorily, satisfactorily. Yes. Wow. I don't know why that doesn't sound right. <laughs> um, convince Zelda that she uh, that he was like able to financially support her. So she broke off their engagement. She's like, honey, <laughs> honey. <laughs> cute. Oh, you got a job. That's mm-hmm. nice. That's nice. Uh, as it yeah. is nice when. <laughs> oh, Zelda! If you Th- only knew, things got really real for Christina. Oh. She's like, you're about to tell a joke, and then you're like, actually, actually, that is nice. <laughs> actually, you're like, well, I-, I would go for that. And you're like, he has a job. Oh, that's oh. great. That's-, that's great. But she's like, good for you. 
we're She's that like, have money. you seen my daddy's house? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no. Not gonna work. So um, Scott decided to return home to St. Paul so he could complete his novel because he was like, you're right. This is not cutting it. So he's like, I am going to finish this fucking novel. I'm going to be famous. I'm going to be a famous writer. And in the meantime, they've been writing letters back and forth. She shared her diary with him. They have had like they've had a lot of talks and she knows that that's what he wants to be. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she's like, yeah, you do that thing. So he's like, you know what? I am. So he goes back home to St. Paul, Minnesota, stays with his family, pretty much living off of nothing, borrowing money for cigarettes and, and booze and just working his way through this book. And he is such a meticulous writer that he writes multiple drafts, multiple, multiple, multiple drafts. He is somebody who's like, I'm going to get this thing perfect. That's the kind of writing. And you will see it continually through his career. So he finally convinced, uh, convinces, finishes his book, This Side of Paradise. During um, this time, like I said, he had letters um, that confirmed Zelda had become his new muse, for Rosalind telling her the heroine does resemble you in more ways than four. Not only amused, but he had many on many occasions stealing outright direct words and excerpts from her diary. Mm-hmm. So there is like legitimate, like word for word, like like diary ripoffs from her in this book. Mm-hmm. Oh, the so book- she should have gotten a co-writing credit, is what you're saying? Yes, a hundred percent. But this is a, something that will come up multiple times in their lives because he is somebody who writes directly from his own experiences. And this book was supposed to be a book about his experiences at Princeton. And so some of it, you know, maybe inspired from this, the stories of Ginevra, but he really fell in love with Zelda's writing. He fell in love with the way that she articulated things and, and found the amuse in, in her writing style and really used a lot of it in his work. Mm-hmm. Um, the book was released to a wild success. He was selling, he sold out his fucking book the day that it was released. That's, That's how, amazing. Can you fucking even fathom that? I mean, it's these like are the his first real book. I was going to say, these are the kinds of stories that keep artists like yeah. on that grind because mm-hmm. you're like, that could be me. Absolutely. <laughs> I could go from being poor to being like a wild success. In one day. Yeah. Can you imagine? Your book is released. It's I released, cannot imagine. No. It's released on March 26th <laughs> and he is like, he writes his mother. He's like, I want your ring. Sends his ring to Zelda. And on March 30th, she is arriving by train to New York where they are married on April 3rd. Isn't it crazy how like old timey marriages worked? They were just like, we're engaged and we're getting married next weekend. Like I like uh, my engagement's like two years. And, yeah. like, <laughs> and you still feel stressed. Yeah. And I'm still stressed out. And they were just like, no, we're doing it immediately. We got this. Like my story last last week where they like, met and got married within like a month yeah. <laughs> i know right but they've known each other for a long time so there is that this there is a that years that's in true the yes yeah um like honestly like two years easily in the making they met in like what night like 1918 this mm-hmm. is almost 1920 is when they get married so um they get married in the rectory of the saint patrick's cathedral and quickly the couple become the toast of the town they are um as they kind of helped enter this jazz age, they became this kind of iconic vision of what the jazz age was. This book really spoke to a new set of people. It, it spoke to who this new group of, you know, up and coming adults were. Yeah. And this wealth and excess that was happening after post-World War One, 
Um, Zelda became known as the first American flapper. She wrote many articles about being, you know, the first American flapper. Um, and they would. Uh, She's like Kylie Jenner. She, oh, my God. Totally. She was the Kylie Jenner of her, her yeah. age. Right. Yeah. Trendsetter. <clears throat> Absolutely. But also a writer. So, yeah, yeah. she she and did it, stuff. An artist. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You know, they would become pregnant. And in 1921, they would have a daughter, um, Frances Scott Fitzgerald. She was um, she went by Scotty. Oh, That's cute. So that is cute. so cute. Oh, my I know. God. That's so cute. Hella cute. Zelda was asked to contribute to, um, you know, as she was coming in this kind of like it girl in the city and they're living in New York and and everybody's like, oh, you're so fabulous. And could you write for our um, for our little book? And we want you to enter, you know, send in your best favorite recipe. So I have to read you guys the favorite recipe that she wrote in. This is the kind of excess that she was living, the kind of life she was living. What must it be like for everyone to always think you're fabulous? <laughs> Like, what must that be like? You know, it's weird because initially at first you're just kind of like burdened by that, you know, success and that stress. Are you being sarcastic? A hundred percent. Okay. I was like, (laughs) you're like, bitch, you ain't that fabulous. (laughs) All right. So she writes this. She's so witty. And so she writes. See, um, so she was asked to send in her favorite recipe. This is what she sends. See if there is any bacon. And if there is, ask the cook which pan to fry it in. <laughs> then ask if there are any eggs. And if so, try to persuade the cook to poach two of them. <laughs> it is better not to attempt toast as it burns very easily. Also, in case of bacon, do in the case of bacon, do not turn the fire too high or you will have to get out of the house for a week. Serve preferably on a china plates, though gold or wood will do if handy. <laughs> oh my god. Gold Brilliant. or wood. Yeah. So she's, you know, she sounds fun. She's fun. She's witty and she's like Bitches, I ain't cooking. I don't. I mean, like, this is the best I got yeah, for you. My I'm favorite sorry. recipe. Did you not hear? I'm rich. <laughs> <laughs> right. She's I like, don't have to do that. She's like, wealth and excess. Me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Equal me. So because her wit and charm, um, she is prompted by the New York Tribune. Uh, or this prompts the New York Tribune to ask her to write a review of her husband's latest book, the beautiful and damned. Uh oh. I'm gonna write read you a little snippet of Don't that. ask the wife to write a review. It seems to me that on one page I recognized a portion of an old diary of mine, which mysteriously disappeared shortly after my marriage, and also scraps of letters which through uh though considerably edited sound to to me vaguely familiar. In fact, Mr. Fitzgerald I believe that's how you spell his name, seems to believe that plagiarism begins at home. Killer. Sips. Tea. So she writes that kind of satirically and and presumably no one actually thinks that this actually is much of a dig. And for all, you know, all things that I found, it kind of seems as though, and mostly from the writing from his grand, their granddaughter, she he seemed to kind of think it was funny as well. Oh. Like it was kind of a jab, but also, um, I'm 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 sipping tea. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but of because course, that has to come from a place. If you're writing that, if you're writing that, and you know that the world is going to see it, you're like, ha ha ha, <laughs> funny, but also, but yeah. also, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
So, um, like I said, they'd had their daughter, Scotty. Um, this didn't dampen their party lifestyle, though, and they threw notoriously wild affairs at their Long Neck, uh, Long Island's home before escaping to France, where the dollar was strong and prohibition wasn't an issue. While in France, they surrounded themselves in an artistic community, notoriously meeting Hemingway. So this is when, you know, they are like really surrounded by artists and, you know, they meet other notorious artists. Literally everyone's an alcoholic. Right, right. <laughs> they're, called, they, they're called the lost generation. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. you're right. Absolutely. Yes, that's what they talked about a lot. Yeah. Um, so during this time... They had moved to France because uh, Scott had also wanted to really dive into his next novel, which was going to be The Great Gatsby. And he so the thing about him is that he took from all of his books, he took pieces of his life. That's what he was. He was doing taking excerpts of his life and infusing them into, quote, fictional tales. And that's that was his style. Um He's also notoriously known in his writing to being very accessible to women, which also makes you wonder how much he stole from women to create that Mm -hmm. or a woman in particular. (laughs) During this time, as he's busying away uh, writing, he immersed himself into heavy drinking once again and toiling over the great Gatsby. He is a notorious. I mean, if you ever hear anything about F. Scott Fitzgerald, one of the first things you'll hear about is how wild his drinking was. But... Do you ever think, like, as someone who likes to drink and enjoys it, how do you get shit done? Like, really, like, how do you get shit done if you're drunk all the time? And There's you know, his no way I can write. His, no, sussed. and that's what his granddaughter writes about as well. Kind of saying, you know, he is a notorious alcoholic, but he is somebody who is a very high functioning, functioning alcoholic. Clearly, because. I mean, I mean, I'll have like a glass of wine while I'm editing, like a like a podcast episode or something. But there's no, I wouldn't even do that if Imagine I was like drinking drunk. gin all day. Yeah, Ugh. no, Ugh. no. And oh, so gross. gin was you just smell like a Christmas tree. Ooh. No, <laughs> you smell like an alcoholic Christmas tree, <laughs> Grandpa. You smell like an alcoholic Christmas tree. <laughs> she, um, at the time, Zelda had met and became quite smitten with a French pilot named Edouard. Josanne reportedly asking Scott for a divorce at some point because she's like, you know what Edward doesn't do steal from me. (laughs) Oh, you know what else he doesn't do? Sit in his room, drink all day and write books forever. (laughs) He takes me me in his airplane. We go swimming. (laughs) Um, She'd asked for a divorce. Scott apparently became furious with this and it is reported that he locked her captive in their home for over a month during which Zelda had tried to overdose or overdose basically on sleeping pills sounds about 1920s mm. you could just fucking lock your wife in a room and be Hundo. like this is fine yeah <laughs> he's like until you change your mind you're staying right here oh, okay. and um there's also two reports of like friends like walking her around the house to keep her awake so she doesn't die like is that the fucking most wild thing ever like mm. no hospital we're just gonna walk you around the house keep you awake so you don't die um there is they say sound like good friends they never really say whether it was a suicide attempt, quote unquote, and they never speak of it again. So apparently this is something that was like very hush hush. Well, the family. It, I mean, it could have just been her trying to get out of that fucking situation. You know, she probably didn't want to actually die. She just wanted to get out of the fucking situation. Like, yeah. And, and how could like there aren't a lot of opportunities to mm-hmm. get out of that situation? Yeah, honestly. I mean, you're really especially if he locks you up in your home, nobody ever really sees you again. And he, you know, pilots like, oh, I guess that's a no. And yeah. So. <laughs> Bye. I, like, <laughs> I got ghosted. <laughs> right. Mm. Um, 
Their tumultuous relationship continued, and after an incident and a party, Zelda threw herself down marble staircase. So, like, they're, I mean, like, Scott's ignoring her. He and she's kind of acting wild and acting out just to get his attention. But you know what's infuriating about this story is that it is always framed as like, wasn't Zelda so crazy? And it's like, what would you be like if you were in a situation where you were a hostage in your own fucking life? Mm-hmm. Like it wouldn't like you'd be you'd be acting out too. I don't think that like she's nuts. And you're talking about like an obviously like really um intelligent mm-hmm. and artistic artistic creative person whose v- voice has been stolen. Yeah. I can't th- think of anything. And there's a lot worse. of speculation on that too even from the family. The granddaughter talks a bit about that and her mother's perspective having grown up in it and around it. And she said really it, it wasn't even just this as much as it was a product of the time. Like you were that's kind of like was your role is that you were, you were the wife. You're the wife. You're here to support. It wasn't a big deal that he stole from you. It was actually kind of part for the course and what your role was as a wife. But if you're a free spirit Yes. Like mm-hmm. that it, it it doesn't matter like that that is what happens at this time. Sure. It still feels wrong. Because we know. We know what's right and, and we know what's wrong. And it doesn't matter if society tells you like this is okay. Inherently. It still deep would down. feel bad and it would feel wrong. And then on top of that, you've been completely stripped of like your freedom and your autonomy yeah. by being like locked in a home. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. During this time, too, Zelda's just basically unable to get her own writing works, you know, much recognition. So she had been writing during this time as well. So she switched her artistic pursuits into ballet. And at 27, amongst much discouragement and especially discouragement from Scott, she threw herself full force into an exhaustive cycle of dance and practice. So she is getting into ballet. She is like, this is her... She's like, I can't get my writing to take off, so I'm going to try this other artistic pursuit that will literally not be able to be stolen from anybody, will literally not be, it'll be mine, I can use this, this will be my thing. And she's 27, though. You don't start a ballet career at 27 years old, even Mm -hmm. if you had ballet lessons when you were a kid. Yeah. You're you're not going to get very far. And in 1930, and maybe because of the relationship, the nature of their relationship, or the tiring dance schedule, Zelda is admitted to a psychiatric hospital from exhaustion, where she is eventually diagnosed with schizophrenia. Now, there have been many... Yeah, I'm giving you hardcore side eye. I know. And and so here's where a lot of this came from, like her granddaughter and... There, she said, even from her mother's visitations with her, the things they, they, she says her mother legitimately had mental health issues. Now, you know, everybody wants to post date and post prescribe what happened to her, but this diagnosis, it was only a 19 year old, you know, diagnosis, you know, schizophrenia had only really, really been recognized as something I mean, but we're also talking about a time period in which you could literally just put your wife, like just for independence, you could yeah. put your wife in a mental institution for anything. Yeah. And being in an institution like that, I mean, this is probably what, like 40 years after Nellie Bly went into the institution and like we learned about how mm-hmm. fucking awful people are treated in those institutions. So who's to say whether or not she was crazy when she went in? Right. Or if it was being there that made her that way. That's exactly, <laughs> like, you know, that's exactly where my mind went to. You know, there's initially sure she may have gone in because of hysteria or she's wild or I can't control her or whatever. But at some point she is, you know, but they right. were but doing, you've got they were doing electroshock therapy. And she you've was got all admittedly kinds of shit. Ele- yeah. gone through electroshock no, therapy. I- 
they but to that point scott did spend almost his entire life just making enough money to keep her in hospitals and keep her being taken care of so I'm not saying that's good. Taking care of in quotes. I don't know. This whole thing is suspect to me. I I, I mean, maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. But I just, I don't know. We did an episode of uh, Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist about like women, crazy women Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And just like the number of times, especially during this time period, he's already shown himself to be incredibly controlling. If you're willing to lock your wife in your house for doing stuff that that you don't want her to do then I, I don't think it's out of the question that you would throw your wife into a mental institution mm-hmm. for something like that. And especially since it was fairly common. Yeah. It was fairly mm-hmm. common up until like the fifties. Mm-hmm. So like it, to me, I don't know who knows. Yeah. Who knows? No, I, but- I'm, I'm completely with you. And I think that there are both sides. There are people who are like, absolutely not. And then there are people who are like, yeah, no, this is fucking wild. And I agree. I, I think it's very suspect and I think that there is a lot to be said and I, my first inclination was to be like well maybe she just didn't do what she was supposed to quote unquote ended up and then became you know in some way pushed to a mental state via yeah, all the tra- treatments all the drugs a, a couple too whose entire life like was was so full of like alcohol and parties and and you know um and that combined with everything else, right. you know, they just, well, and it's you, easy to see like the exhaustion thing mm-hmm. and then just like nervous breakdown. breakdown. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, I've had, I've had panic attacks, mm. right. Or like I have anxiety. I've had depression. Mm. If you had taken me, I have an independent streak. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you had taken me with those issues Mm -hmm. and put me in a situation where I'm in inhumane like an inhumane environment and then also you're literally fucking with my brain Mm -hmm. using like Mm -hmm. electroshock therapy completely powerless I I, I, I think people would probably think that I there was really, really something wrong with sure. me by the end of that. And if you're you know? heavily medicated on yeah, some of these drugs, you medicated. could be... I mean, there were reports where she was like, oh, she uh, she says she's talking to God. But I'm like, there's Dude, some medications that could make you think you're talking to fucking God. It's 1920s medication yeah. where people were like, literally like... This shroom will work. <laughs> heroin, the wonder drug. Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. Cocaine. cocaine. Give her some cocaine. It's yeah, fine. Cocaine. It's good for you. Exactly. Yeah. So... Yeah. In 1931, though, she was released from the latest place that she was in, institution she was in, which was in Switzerland or outside of Switzerland. And um, they returned home to Montgomery because her father was very ill in bad shape. Um, after his death, she was reinstitutionalized once again in John Hopkins in Baltimore. Scott, at this time, when they had gotten back to the States, his books aren't doing well. Great Gatsby did not go well. It was it was a total flop. And he had to he was forced to take a job with MGM to keep the money coming in. So he had to move to Los Angeles to start working as a scriptwriter here because his books just weren't selling. His books of excess and, you know, all this stuff were not going over well during the depression. Surprise, right. price. Yeah. <laughs> people were like, I'm sorry. I can't afford bread for my family. Right. I right. just lined up with a ticket to buy bread. Yeah. So, I don't yeah. want to talk about you like throwing champagne oh. around, yeah. you know? Exactly. Yeah. So um, during her time at John Hopkins, though, over the course of six weeks, she became incredibly inspired and wrote an entire novel called Save Me the Waltz. She sends it to his publisher and the publisher sends it over to um, Scott and is like, hey, have you read this? I am going to take a bat 
to you, uh, get, wait to get angry, girl. Oh, I'm already angry. I'm like please fuming. Don't, <laughs> please don't actually flip my table. Okay? <laughs> um, after seeing it, of course, he uh, sends it over to Scott and he sees that she has drawn from their actual life experiences and using similar tones and notes from the very book that Scott had been working on for over the last year and a half, two years. So he is furious. He's like, I have let you read this book. You know what I've been working on. And you just in six weeks knock out a fucking novel. Oh, does that not feel good? Does that feel bad? Is that, is that hard? Is that? Oh, it's because it's, it's our same honest, like experiences. Honestly, the level of of petty mm-hmm. like that I truly aspire mm. to. It's mm. wonderful. Oh, my level of petty that I aspire to in the story is her fucking review of his book. I like. Oh, swear to I God. love it because it was so like offhanded. <laughs> oh, it was a smack mm. in the face. Mm. Let's be honest. I so, want to revenge write a novel. He insists that, that she revise it beca- and take out anything that completely correlates between their stories. And he does help her revise it because he does want her to have a book that she can, you know, have published. Uh, that book doesn't do shit and he does finish his book. And even though um, the apparent anger continued, he continued to support Zelda and helped her again, rewrite the novel when Zelda then pursued uh, painting. And he was surprisingly very supportive of this, loved her paintings and even set up a um, showing for her in New York. But because it didn't didn't threaten him. Yeah. Like because it didn't threaten him. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not giving you a pat on the back for that. Like, (laughs) so the big questions for me that come from this, this, very long i know it's like probably running a lot on time here but i i want to kind of just wrap it up with this uh, you know did zelda you know lead to his drinking did he lead to her breakdown i don't think either of those things can be proven i think you have two groups of artists who are very you know extremely in their you know mindset of you know this is it's combustible yeah, it's, you had combust- two people who fed into each other it's like any other yes it's like it any, a, it's like yes. a curtain courtney it it's is. like a sit in nancy it's like two people you know maybe this is what happens when extroverts get together i a, don't know <laughs> a lot of people though say that she is the original um pixie dream girl and Manic re- pixie dream girl yes yeah. and then make her kind of into that character but again you know if they had never met have they never met? Had they never had this combustible relationship? Would we have ever had the Great Gatsby? Would we have ever had, you know, we probably wouldn't have. We probably would have never had some of this stuff. And does the art that comes out of something so combustible, we forgive it? Do we forgive the thing? Do we forgive Nirvana? Do we forgive the art that we receive because of somebody's really combustible relationships? It's hard. I don't know. You know, like, I I love... F. Scott Fitzgerald novels. I love them. I loved them in high school. Um, I do enjoy them. But when you're talking about somebody's like actual life, and I guess we don't know, we don't know what happened here. And you can't ever blame somebody for someone else's life. Like I'm not going to blame Zelda for F. Scott's drinking or, you know, the other way around anything like that. But when you're dealing with people's like actual existence, I would say that I would always sacrifice the art for the human being. Sure. You know, because like, that's no, that's no life. It's just, it's, it's hard. We all know. I'm, I mean, I can think of a person that, you know, I care about deeply that, that, that person that brings out the worst of you. Mm. Even though you care about them, 
you love them or it's it's something about that fire and everything but it also like Drives as much you. as it brings creativity it also brings destruction Dis- disaster mm-hmm. yeah 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 I, I mean i've i've been with people like that mm-hmm. for sure and you know even though it might feed into something some greatness right yeah. i would still sacrifice that relationship i would sacrifice that little spark for health yeah <laughs> yeah like yeah. for us both to be healthy and happy and you I know think what that I she mean? probably like, tried to. I think that time in France where she wanted to it was maybe her trip. But again, it's a different time. Mm-hmm. I mean, were we looking through this from a lens from a completely different time? And uh, but that time was yeah. wrong. The way, was like wrong. honestly, and I, I I know that like that gets said a lot. Where it's like, well, it was a different time, and I understand that. But like, it was wrong, and nobody should ever have been treated. Like no better, that. do better. And you I know, think that's where yeah. we're at now. Is mm-hmm. we know better, we do better. But at that time, it's hard to judge somebody's reasons for staying, reasons for oh, not. Oh yeah, no, for no, no. That. I don't judge any oh, yeah. of that. I don't judge any of that. I judge him locking her in a fucking room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I judge everyone just kind of brushing off the fact that she tried to overdose. Like, I I judge all those things because you're not treating this person like a person. You're treating them like a wife. Yeah. There's many, many layers to this conversation. There's many layers to this actual story. There's things I didn't even get to touch on. There's some Hemingway stuff. There's lots of there's lots of notes. I, I highly recommend anybody who has the time to take the deep dive. Please do so. I know that there's. Lots of information out there, but I, I wanted to touch on it because I think, you know, it, it is kind of a good crazy and love story. Mm-hmm. It's a great mm-hmm. one. Yeah, you did a great job. So oh, that was my Yay. my snippet. Crazy love and it. love. So what Yay. are you guys doing this week? Um, I'll start. I have been Chris and I have been we never watched the show Castle. And we decided we've been wanting to watch it forever. And we're like, let's watch it. So we finally just bought it on fucking Amazon and we binged and we're almost done with the second season. Are you I loving it? Love it? Are you loving it? Good. It's so cute. It, it's so cute. I'm so, I'm like, how did I, I miss love this? love Nathan Fillion. Oh Me my God. too. Really Everyone does. Ugh. He's America's sweetheart. He's so great. You know, similarly, I, I didn't have a ton of time to like watch anything this week, but, um, well, I did on set while I was like sitting around waiting in between being on set. I watched my cousin Rachel, that movie with Rachel oh, Weiss. Yeah. It's a crazy in love. Oh, that's a crazy it? in love movie. Um, but then similarly to you, they're taking the office off of Netflix at the end of the year. And I've never watched the office. Same. I'm like one of the only people you and I are Same. like wow. the only people on earth who've like never watched the office. So I was like, everybody watches the shit out of this show. Mm-hmm. I should watch it. And I'm getting into the groove of it. Uh, I'm still on the first season. There's only six episodes in the first season. But um, I'm getting into the groove of it. But this might be a hot take. And we'll see if mm-hmm. my opinion changes as I watch as I watch more. I think I like Parks and Rec better. Ooh. I think I like Parks and Rec better than The Office. But maybe it's just because I haven't, like, I'm not in it, in it yet. Not invested mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. So I don't know. Let me know if that's a hot take, listeners. I bet mm-hmm. it is. I am want. I finished uh, Good Omens. I oh. hadn't. I hadn't uh, watched it. Yeah, yet. which is weird because it. that's right up your alley. Oh, I know. I love the book, and I love David Tennant. I love mm-hmm. Michael Sheen. Mm-hmm. It was yes. such a great portrayal. Like, I oh, definitely recommend it. Is that on HBO? So good. It's Prime. Prime. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Definitely recommend. It's just one season. It's it's a beautiful story, and it was really really well done, oh, and good. it got me really excited 
about Sandman on Netflix. Yeah. Someday. Someday. Yeah. Sooner so, than later, I think. Yeah. 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 Wow. Here's something. So our listeners, if you guys want to join our Facebook group, we're going to be posting some stuff in there for the holidays. Um, hopefully, we'll be doing some deals for our merch. So if you guys want to go... Stocking stuffers. Stocking stuffers. <laughs> yeah. If you want a Who Raised You phone case. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you Christina can, does. Like yes. Christina needs because I'm just eyeing your phone. I know. Um, side eyeing it. Living on the edge. <laughs> you really are. <laughs> uh, then, yeah, join our Facebook group so you can be up to date on all of the, the things coming down. Coming down. Yeah. And it, if you have stories, we're always looking for stories. We just ask for them on our shorty, but we really want holiday stories yeah. did you take the wrong person to the office holiday party mm. yes mm-hmm. i want that one did you bring the wrong person home for thanksgiving yes yes please yes oh we my want. god like my heart is actually like skipping a beat because those are the most exciting also had too much coffee but yes, <laughs> yes. so awkward <laughs> so yeah uh, you can do all of that and more by going to our one-stop shop of a website at myworstdatepodcast.com And thank you so much for listening. We love you. Cheers. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.